0: Hello, Tasty Meaning listeners. We are back for another episode of our biggest season yet. And for everyone who listened to last week's episode, we are going to start with our appetizer of the week. And just as a reminder, the appetizer of the week is to be this fun new segment we're going to be doing from now on, where we basically, you know, prepare you. Just give you a little sample, a little taste before we get into our episode. And today's appetizer of the week, I'm going to pass it to Charlie because it's meaningful. It's a lot of power. And I think it's important for listeners to, to take away.
1: Thanks. Um, so I, I really wanted to to bring on this conversation to to talk about something that has impacted me recently, and you know, not in going into the actual situation itself, but it really had me reflecting with a lot of energy and a lot of just like feelings towards it. And I wanted to just I, I immediately texted Martina. I was like, "Look, let's just get on while I still have this energy, and and let's let's bring this out." So. The question that I, I bring up is really talking about how important is it to be progressive in in our openness and open mindedness to others' culture, and, and you know us—we're all about culture. We're all about diving deeper into that. And and I can only I can only speak from my experience, um, and I'm really dying to hear from Martine. I'm dying to hear from other people's experiences too. So like my experience. In the therapeutic world, is almost essential. Um, you know, with working in mental health and working in therapy, it's it's become so important that culture is not just something like a checkbox or it's something that, you know, we we consider after the fact when we're treating someone from a therapeutic way. It's become just parallel to that, almost like a, a key cornerstone to when we're meeting with clients, when we're developing our relationship with them we truly get to know them a little bit more so and better um, by considering their culture and, and uplifting their culture. So I, I speak that from the standpoint of not only the way I work with clients now, but also my past experience. Um, I, I remember when I was going into therapy to getting my own therapist before, um, I you know, sought out different therapists. I at the time didn't know like what I was looking for. So I was like, okay, well, you know, growing up, I, I read a lot of psychology books and, you know, to really put it out there I and mean, be very blunt, like there are a lot of just sort of older white males who wrote these, you know, <laughs> psychology <laughs> theories and books and stuff like that. Right. So then that led me to think like, you know what, uh, I, I find someone who is pretty trained and in, in maybe what I'm looking for. Cool. I'm going to go meet with this guy. Older white male. And not to say like my experience with him wasn't helpful. I had some takeaways from it. But it just didn't feel right i remember at the time i was was struggling a lot with just sort of like family issues and 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 conflict with my dad and so it's like how do i resolve this how do i resolve this anxiety and 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 frustration i remember hearing from my therapist it was like oh yeah you know just talk to your dad just like let him know how you feel and not to say i didn't try it but when i did It it still didn't feel right. It it didn't feel like I was having any resolution. didn't feel like I had a better relationship with my dad. It just felt like, okay, I I unloaded how I felt. And it still feels the same way that it did before. But now he just knows how I feel. Now, fast forward, I have a a therapist who's um, an Asian male. And I can't tell you enough how impactful it is just to have a therapist who, one, looks like me, scene, color, um, just appearance, but also has a similar understanding of culture as me. And and, and I say that to say that not that my original experience with a therapist wasn't important and, and helpful, but I think there's such an enhancement in terms of having someone who looks like you and and can really understand from a cultural perspective or even an openness to understand from a cultural perspective, especially in the therapeutic realm, in terms of making me feel comfortable, making me feel safe and making me feel like, you know what, I don't have to dismiss culture out of who I am as a whole person. Culture is just as integrated into who I am as a person. And the fact that I can get that talked through with a, a trained professional means all the world so Martine, take it over i'm starting to get emotional so feel free go from here I, I love
0: how transparent you've been and and if i can say even vulnerable that was very like i love what you shared and honestly i relate to that too right if i had like if i would have ever been given that advice to talk just like yeah just talk to talk to your dad i'm kind of like you know how difficult that is like in our like similar cultures like like for one thing And I don't know if you relate to this, but like talking about like mental health and being vulnerable is very taboo in like Latino culture, right? Like it could be a sign of weakness as well, especially like just admitting you're going to therapy. It's so like it's so foreign and kind of looked down upon just for like oh you're not strong enough to handle your own things. You're paying someone to listen to you. Like it's it's not taken it's not taken seriously or really um like legitimate. For someone to do so like i totally like understand you there like just talking it out with someone is never the case well it should be the case like i realistically want this to be the practice right like if you have some kind of like issue or or, like resolving factor someone just like okay just take the time to sit down and chat and hopefully we can like get to some kind of resolution but unfortunately that's not common Like it's not calling for you. I like I've had a conversation. Like I legit had like a tearful conversation with my parents one time about how I felt. And to be honest, it was met with some backlash. Like I'm struggling. Like I don't want to say it, but I want to say it. Type thing. Like it was met with kind of like, oh, well, what about what we went through for you? And it's kind of like, and no one's like um, devaluing how you felt, but this is also how I feel. We can't like we can't take that for granted either. You know, we're both. like not entitled, but we're both um, allowed to feel how we feel and how authentic it is for our emotions to be the way they are. And even to honor both experiences. Yeah. 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 Like just because you experience something doesn't mean I can't experience it in a different way. Right. Yeah. It's like that saying like, Oh oh man, I couldn't sleep last night. I only had six hours of sleep. Oh yeah. Well, I had three. I'm kind of yeah. like, it's not a competition, bro. Like I'm like, I don't know how you operate in three hours, but for me, six hours sounds like a pain. So I don't know. I know that was kind of a, a tangent from yours, but I to 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 bring it back to the beginning. I think representation matters a lot in these different fields, whether it be like fields of service or fields of like product, like like working in entertainment. It be it would mean a lot to see a film about a like Latino like character story to be made by Latinos, right? Like it just seems more authentic, seems more leg- legitimate. And we just identify with it more especially seeing that these characters are being portrayed by people from that community yeah
1: yeah i mean i I totally agree with that i think they're like i like i mentioned even before we got onto this recording it's like yes you can still deliver a product yes you can still have you know like a a, an experience um and, and you could probably get something accomplished but i guess what i'm trying to really Reflect on is that there's, there's a, an extra level of enhancement, an extra level of meaning that can also be received by having the representation, like you said, and also having maybe a therapist who maybe looks like you, you know, has that openness to be able to embrace culture, um, but also be able to kind of develop in themselves to have more of an openness to cultural development, too.
0: Yeah, like with like teachers, right? Imagine having a teacher growing up that wasn't part of like the fam- foreign language department. Like imagine your math teacher being of a similar identity to you. Do you feel like you would have learned better or paid attention more? Seeing that like someone's up there that looks like you. I kind of want to say, yeah, right? I kind of want to say like, yeah, if my teacher was like Latino, I feel like I w- I would like pay attention more and care more just because I want to make sure I can make them proud because they're like, of my community, you know?
1: I I, I could see that. And 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 I would also add another part to that is that like I, I would maybe feel um more connected because maybe maybe mm. they may maybe they may challenge me more. Maybe they, yeah. they can sort of understand like, hey, you know, I may have gone through something similar as a, you know before before becoming a teacher and I see someone who maybe is either similar to me or someone who maybe could have had those similar experiences. And I might teach from that lens, not to say that other teachers may not, but that there's almost sort of a different approach or different lens that there may be going further perhaps. Yeah. I think that's a great
0: point, but who knows? I'm just kidding. Not even who knows, but thank you for sharing, Charlie. Any yeah. like, Final thoughts
1: before we go into the next segment. I would just say, you know, like this is something that you know I, I feel passionate about, and I don't know if others may feel as well. And again, you know, however we can uplift these different topics, and however we can really build a community to for other people just to to have an open dialogue. And then, because I think there are, there are times where where people may have one view of it, another person may have complete opposite view, and that's okay. I think it's being able to have sort of an open dialogue to where we're not shaming others we're not putting down others but being able to have that conversation is at least a good first step
0: love that love that I think it's always important for this open communication to happen now for us to touch upon this conversation some more especially regarding film entertainment be sure to stick around when we speak of our guest Baldwin who will take us through his expertise in film so stay tuned Hey, yo, taste me and listeners, did you know on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us a rating? Yeah, that's right. So you want to help grow this podcast even more? Be sure to visit Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us the rating and give us as high as a score you think we deserve. I say give us five stars. And honestly, you probably should. So please be sure to check out both Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. And please enjoy the rest of this episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us after a break. We are now joined by our guest, Baldwin. I'm going to pass it to Charlie so we, they can go about how they met and you know introduce him a little bit more. But this is going to be some exciting shit. Let's go.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Baldwin, um, really, really thankful to have you on our pod. Uh, and we were just kind of talking before this. I haven't connected with you since our time in Italy. We're yeah, technically right. met.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did, definitely. That was a long time ago. It's over... It's almost 10 years ago, right? Oh my gosh.
1: That's Yeah, wild. It's crazy. that's crazy. Like so a wild. decade,
2: a decade back. Um, yeah. but yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, just go into like a little bit of the background about both of us. So, I met Charlie when we studied abroad in Italy for a summer. Um, yeah, it sounds very romantic, I know, but it was a <laughs> it was a great experience. A very formative time for myself and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, But yeah, just to go a little bit more into myself, I'm from the Bay Area, went to undergrad at UC Irvine, Uh, I studied anthropology and urban studies, which is what I started my career doing, and yeah, I was an urban planner for a few years, and then I transitioned to becoming a a photographer and started my own little small business, Um, and then from there... I became a digital marketer doing SEO, search engine optimization, um, and that's what I'm doing now, and I also co-host a podcast called Real Asian Podcasts, where we talk about Asian American movies and their influences on culture and among other things, Um, and yeah, nowadays I'm residing in San Francisco with my wife.
1: Nice, nice, yeah, I mean, a couple of things there. For those of our listeners, definitely check out the Real Asian podcast. Um, I I had a chance to check out some episodes. Really love their fun dynamic. They're a really great group. They speak out a lot about the topics of, you know, just kind of representation, you know, the the movies itself, kind of the meanings from the movies. So definitely check them out. um, Give them a listen. Uh, Appreciate that, man. Yeah, of course, of course. We all we always gotta support each other. And I think you know, the more we can really put out meaning into the world and and have more people tap into that, I think it really enriches a lot of just kind of what we're listening to um, nowadays yeah, too. Yeah, sure. Totally um, agree. With Italy, dude. Like, let's go back to that a little bit. And kind of reminisce know, yeah. uh, for our <laughs> listeners. Um, they had a little bit of that when we had Lisa on, but I think you know, what was what was your Experience of Italy. I mean, what were some things that you remember and, and kind of like oh man, think back and, and like, dang, I can't believe I did that.
2: I mean, gosh, man, the whole experience for me. Uh, I mean, I never at that point in my life, I've never traveled anywhere farther than Vegas. So it was a huge, huge trip for me. Um, I remember before I'd always wanted to go to Italy just because of the history there, all the sites and just how beautiful and romantic it looked. Um, like, if, if there was one place I really wanted to go to and really wanted to travel to, it would definitely be Italy. So, that experience was just extremely gratifying to me. Um, and yeah, I feel like that was like the first time I wasn't around my normal daily responsibilities and routines and everything I was just used to. So, in a way, I guess I had to like find myself, right? I know it sounds like cliche, but it's, it's pretty true. Um, I just had to get out of my comfort zone make new friends um and then just meeting a lot of new people um and then you know trying a lot of new things are kind of scary um just being on my own and figuring out what was what was it I wanted to do while I was out there and get out of my experience there um yeah I don't know I don't know like how the experience was for you like before coming and after
1: coming like what was it like yeah I, I mean it, it was definitely the first sort of international trip i've ever taken and i think that was already a, a shock in itself because it's like mm-hmm. i remember arriving um like sort of in italy but not necessarily with the location where we're supposed to be at yet and so just right. getting to like a small airport and and having you know the language obviously like i i studied a little bit of italian before coming but it's still like whoa like i'm in a, in a space where of course i, I can't understand you know everything that's going on around me. and it, mm-hmm. that already kind of feels a little overwhelming. and but and then, as, as we started to kind of be there for a while, it, it felt pretty natural to where just the way we we talk to people and treat people, it's you you show them that you're you're willing to really embrace their culture, embrace their language, and you may not know everything about how to say something or how to how to go about it, but just that mm-hmm. you're trying. And I think they appreciated that at least from when I was just connecting with the locals. Yeah. that's was cool.
2: Um, yeah. yeah. I love how you try to like relate that to your experience with like meeting the people. Cause it's definitely a different culture there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I feel like here, everybody's like always doing something. You always have something on your mind somewhere to go to. It's definitely like the American culture, but there, like, everybody's just like chilling the whole time. Like right? they have shop owners and they take, lunch breaks, like for hours, and they just like to chill outside of their cafes, conversating and having drinks and just like chilling. Um, so yeah, in terms of like, my, my memories there, my experiences like, everything I wanted and more, it, it really set the table for a lot of my life decisions afterwards. Um, since I told you like I never really traveled anywhere before that trip so when I got there it was definitely a shock to me um, just being exposed to a completely new culture new language new foods new sites everything um, it really opened my eyes um, up to like what was in the world because the whole time you know living in California it's kind of a bubble right um, it's got everything like well I guess like at the moment things aren't so great but at the time you know it was was pretty sweet like living in California you got the beaches amazing amazing food amazing weather and like most of the people are pretty normal and friendly Um, so yeah going to this whole new country just made me realize and appreciate everything that's out there in the world that I never knew about Um, because I was so young at the time and those feelings and experiences I had were super inspirational to me because it was, I felt like I was born again, kind of. And I had this like worldview um, or new worldview opened up to me and it inspired me to try to get other people to experience that same feeling I had because I feel like they are missing out in a way. Um, And yeah, I, I thought that just a travesty when people aren't able to travel, experience new cultures, Um, And I thought if I gained so much from this experience, then I thought about what other people could gain from their experiences too. And yeah, I mean, eventually that led to me um, getting into photography. It's, it's, It's like a long path, but that was the first time I really started taking photos. I don't know if you remember, but I always had this camera and I always posted this super uh, saturated photos at the time with my my point and shoot I don't know if you remember that I
1: do, I do remember that
2: <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy but that was the first time I actually picked up the camera um but yeah apart from those like great experiences um I feel like I really gained a lot of confidence in myself too from all the bad experiences I, I had there you know like what <laughs> <laughs> dude yeah when did you have like bad experience like just traveling as a youngster, like you're not with your parents or anybody, so you're kind of like on your own. You're with your friends, but like it's different, right? Um, yeah, and a lot of the stuff I went through um, is is pretty crazy, but it was it was scary at times. I remember one time we took a cab from Naples to Sorrento. It was like a, a like a coastal town at, at in so, southern Italy, and we got in a taxi, we left, and I realized I lost, I forgot my bag in that taxi, um, oh. so I had, like, a bunch of my stuff in there, and I was pretty, like, upset at the time, um, but, you know, you get, you get through it, you know, and you just sort of, like, try to brush it off, and you you go on, and I remember on the trip back from, from on the train right back from that trip, um, we missed uh, the, tr- the last train to go back to a uh, redstone which is where our our uh, where we were staying at the time so me and uh my friend Coy, i don't know if you remember koy. I do you remember Coy? Yeah. yeah 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 so we we had to stay in a mcdonald's like that entire night um oh. the whole night oh. in mcdonald's and then in the morning we took a train back again to uh to see a redstone mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's crazy like so many th- random things happened um like at the end of, towards the end of that trip i remember um i had to take a train from venice to florence uh for my flight home um but i only bought the ticket to the stop before florence because Mm -hmm. i was young at the time so i thought i could just like get away with it you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so stupid and i basically ran out of money at that time too uh, on my uh, debit card Mm -hmm. but um yeah so i got caught on the train ride because um they were checking tickets i didn't realize like they checked tickets at every stop in. like hey, where's your ticket? And uh, I didn't have one, so they like pulled me aside and asked me a few questions, and it was super, definitely super scary. Um, it worked out eventually though, because um, they they let me like buy a ticket for the price of like a child or or a toddler. Mm. So I eventually got to go, go to Florence. Um, but when I got to Florence, um, and I was at the airport, um, I didn't realize that they only allowed one one checking bag and I had (laughs) two, so I had to like throw away a bunch of my stuff at the airport um and it was yeah it's that totally sucked because I had a bunch of things in there that I wanted to bring home um yeah and then after that we I had a a layover in in Düsseldorf Germany for 19 hours and I spent that whole time at the airport uh because I I didn't really have any cash left for in my in my debit card so I literally spent Nineteen hours at the Dusseldorf airport, and like I slept on the uh, like in the airport. I ate McDonald's and all that. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of things that happened. Um, and looking at it now, looking back at it now, it doesn't seem so bad. But back then, when you're when I was younger, everything's just kind of heightened because I didn't know what to do, and you know you've never been in that situation before. So it's kind of like you're in survival mode, right? And when you're on your own at that age, it's really scary. Um, so it's just experiences like that helped me get the mindset that, you know, whatever happens, you, you can get through it. Um, you're going to be okay. And yeah, I think that growth from that experience helped me, helped me a lot since yeah. then.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, I think you're adding on another layer of just being in another country where it's like, you know, you, you can, only, you only know so much like the, the rules and policies or whatever. And it's like, you know, I I can imagine just freaking out over that, where it's like, oh Mm -hmm. crap, like I'm not in America where I could just like try to figure some things out, but I'm in another country where like even getting, getting finances transferred over, like that was a thing too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I remember, yeah, that being a sort of thing that I had to deal with as well. So I have a sort of a fun memory that I kind of thought about that Mm -hmm. it just reminded me when, when I connected with you again, you remember, um, we had at the sort of villa that we stayed at um, in Arezzo. We had um, sort of the, the the cooking staff, the the help staff, who, who really, really awesome people. Yeah, um, probably one of the nicest that. people ever. And um, they were they were they had uh, let us know about one time they were going to go play basketball somewhere yeah. with some friends, and I was like, okay. So then we go with them, I think it was uh, you, me, Koi, maybe another person, I think we go Mm -hmm. play basketball with them with a couple of their, um, like Filipino friends. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that that was something that always stuck with my mind where it's like, you're in a different country, you're connecting with people there. And you're getting to do something that like, it's just so like, probably normal to them that they just kind of probably do every weekend but it's like we get to sort mm-hmm. of connect with them on that and and enjoy that with them and i think they they, they even gave us food afterwards too which was really cool yeah. so i you know it was just a really unique like cool experience yeah i definitely
2: remember that now that you brought it up that was one of the coolest experiences i had while we were there because it was it happened like Super organically, like like you said, they were super friendly. They just like invited us to come play basketball with them, and we got to connect with all of these um, Filipinos in Italy, which is kind of yeah. weird at the time, but yeah. it was really cool. And they were like really good too. Yeah, super friendly to us. I think they were in like a league or something, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like they were training and whatever. We right but. Yeah, that experience was definitely one of the coolest ones i had um while i was out there just because we got to connect with them and uh they invited us to be a part of their community for a day you know which is really cool
1: yeah i think back i feel like there's a lot of memories from me, like i kind of want to like start like a blog now maybe that's what we could do theme. We'll, just, <laughs> we'll just start like a like a travel blog yeah, or something
0: yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Okay, I got to start traveling then.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, just got to start oh, okay. traveling. <laughs> it's a reason to travel. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's one more memory uh, I have uh, distinctly with you, Charlie. Uh, we remember the um, we had Italian class, right? Italian language. And the end project was to like, create a skit in Italian. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but we did The Godfather. Yeah. we dressed <laughs> that up was too. awesome. yeah we like dressed up wearing like suits and everything and um yeah we, ha- we created a whole script like copying one of the godfather scenes and that was yep. like super fun yeah yeah Just another so many many memory memories.
1: yeah so many great memories yeah <clears throat> well i appreciate that that the walking back memory lane that was that was really great <laughs> brought mm-hmm. back some good feelings um so i mean now going into a little bit more about kind of what you brought up so far, which is um, a couple of different things. You mentioned Real Asian podcasts, you mentioned your beginning with photography. Um, love to hear a little bit more just about like, kind of how did you go from sort of urban planning and in, in your degree and also even expectations, um, you know, maybe that you've had growing up of what you should go into career-wise or major-wise and then Mm -hmm. translating that now into photography how was that journey for you
2: oh man it's definitely been a long long journey um a lot of like ups and downs uh well I guess I'll, I'll just start like at the beginning so after college um I so I majored in urban planning anthropology and after college I looked for roles in the planning industry Just to get started so i interned as like a planning assistant for the city of hayward which is a city up here then i started working as a planning project manager uh, for a private company and like i really enjoyed my job and i think it's just because like i was young at the time making money and i was working but after a few years in this field i learned that like i just got burnt out really like um it's the processes were so political and bureaucratic and it became really draining and exhausting and even though I was making pretty good money and I was rising up the ranks I realized that it it wasn't something that I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing um and that was definitely like a tough realization to come to but I think it was like necessary because a lot of people don't get there until much later in life um so how I thought of it was like um, in, instead of, I guess, just floating with the tide and avoiding making that hard decision, I wanted to swim for a goal that was right for me, um, and that just comes from like all of the advice that I've heard from people who are older, like people who have podcasts, like people who write all those self-help books, um, that I would regret not pursuing something that I was passionate about, or you know, at least trying trying to do that. So. Um, yeah, about four years ago, this was 2017, I made very scary decision of leaving my very secure job and trying to look for exactly what I wanted to pursue as a career. Cause at that time I didn't know, but I just knew that I didn't want to do that job anymore. So yeah, I mean, I went traveling for a few months in Europe, uh, and Northern Africa. I traveled to a few different States, um, and, you know my main focus at that time was just to enjoy <clears throat> excuse me to enjoy like what the world has to offer um, but also gain new experiences and to learn more about myself um, i'm a big proponent of traveling just because i think it's very personal uh, it's very important for personal growth um, you know just being away from all your normal responsibilities it gives you the freedom to think about what's important for you personally um yeah, and I love new experiences and pushing myself to get out of my comfort zones. So those experiences re- were really enlightening to me. And during this time, I also started to work a lot on uh personal development and investing in myself. And this meant that, you know, I wasn't only like reading a lot more and trying to learn new things, but I also wanted to focus on developing healthy habits that I could carry on um, in my future, like eating healthier, exercising regularly. Meditating, You know, learning about personal finance and really spending more time with people close to me. Um, it was really important to me that I didn't neglect these aspects of my life as I got older. And yeah, this was also during a time that I was becoming a lot more active in my personal hobby of photography. Um, going. At the time, I was just like going out to different places and shooting, um, and I just like really enjoyed it. I did it like casually, but through a lot of reflection, what I learned was photography was something that really gets me going. You know, I always had this love of movies and cinematography, um, and I think it led me to be fascinated with beautiful images. And um, yeah, I guess I was like neglecting this passion of mine of creating and expressing myself uh, because. You know, as an Asian, with Asian parents, um, you know, you you don't really think that a, a career in the creative arts is something that is realistic. And so it's not something that I thought I w- should pursue. And yeah, I mean, I think that my passion for photography comes from the fact that I get inspired by seeing these beautiful images, whether it be scenery, landscapes, people or environments. Um, you know, I love it so much that I want to capture it and be able to share with people so that they might be able to experience it too and, you know, experience what I'm feeling from it. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, what what photography gave me, hopefully I'm, I'm providing it to other people to inspire them to seek enriching experiences or pursue things in life that they hadn't thought of before. Um, so yeah, that's how it started. Um, But it wasn't actually until my first professional shoot, um, which was a wedding, that I I realized that I could do um, it full time and professionally. Um, It was something that happened by chance actually. And like I said, I'd only be doing photography as a hobby at the time. Um, And this random, this couple that I knew through my cousin decided to take a chance on me after seeing some of my photos online, which, which was crazy to like photograph their wedding give it to like a first-time photographer right um and this experience like really showed me that I had a talent for it and I actually enjoyed it um I spent weeks beforehand just preparing for it you know doing tutorials reading books and then practicing with lighting um, and I felt like I was really in the flow state and when the day of the actual wedding came um I just let my preparation and my instincts take instincts take over and It was really successful, actually. I retouched and delivered the photos and we were really really happy from the outcome. Um, But yeah, so it was from this experience that I realized I could spend all day doing it, which, um, you know, that's a feeling that I think is really special and shouldn't be ignored. And yeah, I mean, since then, started my own photography company, Sweet Life Studios, and I do a bunch of freelance work, shooting, corporate events, portraits and headshots, weddings, couples, you know, everything doing branding work and products too yeah so that, that was like my, my journey from is it's a lot but that's how I got from being an urban planner to being a photographer Lots I love everything through. you
0: said <laughs> because like you you have a way of structuring the, the the forms in which you're speaking and how you're like diverging like oh this is what I learned from the beginning on the way to where I'm at now and and you tied in like your film stuff and all like the passion you have it too because you really believed in like documenting these experiences to share with the world so people who may not had the privilege yeah. or fortune to do it themselves can see it through your work and which could yeah, also motivate exactly. them one day like hey you know what i want to go do this or visit that location that i saw baldwin shoot at, because it really gave me or even introduced them to like wow i never knew that africa was this beautiful for example so I like what you're like, what you're spitting out there and sharing with us.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's It goes back to like my experience traveling too. Cause mm-hmm. like I was opened up to this whole new world and it was amazing to me that I'd never experienced something like that before. So, you know, if I could provide that for other people, like imagine what they can do with that and yeah. the inspiration they can get from that. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And I, I like how going back to you're talking about how you love the beautiful images and like scenery you see in movies and I want to transition to that part now you're one the Mm co-host of the real Asian podcast where you're talking about Asian as you mentioned before Asian American films and representation and diversity in their stories right especially at Mm -hmm. the mainstream level because right now like and to quote one of y'all on your podcast we're probably in the golden age of Asian cinema in American media, so what are your opinions on that statement i know when you all were talking about on your podcast you all did have like that general consensus but where do you Mm -hmm. think it's taken us to do you think we are gradually increasing with more representation across all the plc like communities we have in media or do you think there's a lot to be done but we are at least getting there
2: yeah i mean i think um both of those statements are true actually like within the last few years we've seen a whole bunch of like more representation in India and it's it's not just representation but it's a pretty accurate representation like we're giving the reins over to people of color and letting them you know be a part of the production not just the actors like they're actually writing the scripts they're actually directing yeah, yeah and that's just forefront
0: um, is also behind the scenes too
2: exactly yeah and we're seeing much more I think um, one of the the breakout films was definitely Crazy Rich Asians, which came out came out a few years ago, and people were were able to see like um, mo- Hollywood movies with Asian leads can make money, and you know even though that that movie specifically was like a little bit not not super accurate like all asians it's just like one very uh small subset of asian uh cultures like in singapore but it 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 just shows you like it opened up the door really for more asian movies to be made and since then like i've definitely seen an explosion like minari um it's getting like awards too um and then the the asian animation films like raya um there's another one like over the moon where's dragon and yeah what's it sorry wish dragon the one that came out on netflix last year oh yeah yeah definitely that that one too so yeah i think you're seeing more and more but um it's, it's definitely still work to be done mm-hmm. um yeah, asians still don't hold, hold like a prominent uh a prominent uh you know role role in asian fo- or role in hollywood yet i think and it's I like three think- percent right or something like that. I don't know, uh, I, I don't know the actual like the numbers of it. So if but, but it's still like it's, it's insanely low. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um so there's definitely still work to be done, but I think you know we're getting there and I think studios are more open to it too more open to the idea. I think that's just the general direction that uh the industry is going towards. So I'm very hopeful for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely Yeah, I agree with that in that instance where we've probably come a long way since how it was before where there there was very little representation or there's a a type of representation that the media wanted us to see of of Asians, of Asian Americans. And I think now we've come a long way to really sort of break down that to see what are the deeper layers of the Asian experience and and Mm -hmm. how we can see that from so many different cultures countries backgrounds and and that it's so diverse just like other cultures might be too um yeah and so i, I think i i i heard a lot of that just from your episode from the real asian podcast of, of talking about raya because it's like yes like you're giving us the southeast asian culture and representation however that's not sort of all the different nuances and all the different Mm -hmm. sort of uniqueness of each individual culture. So I do agree. Like there, there is a little bit more that, that, that can still go further. Um, but I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts also, and just sort of like what, what would need to happen or what would you want to see more so happen to really highlight more of just representation or, or just a progression further?
2: Yeah. I mean, well, for one thing, um, just to give a little bit of back, background, I think it's really important to just have these conversations uh, because for the most part, uh, people like have a very stereotypical view of Asians as a whole. And that shows in cinemas too, uh, in, in film too, um, like the minor- model minority myth and uh, the stereotype that Asians are meek, we're all geeks or doctors, we're small, um, all these preconceived notions and prejudices uh, were put on us by people of other cultures, mostly mostly white people, if you want to be specific and go ahead and say it. Um, but yeah, I mean, re- representation is also very important. And by that, by that, I mean, accurate representation because how Asians are portrayed in media isn't always accurate and media drives perception. So it affects how people view Asians in real life. Um, but I think, you know, just by bringing light onto these movies that shows the different side of Asian Americans and gave them exposure. It sh- shows that we're not all the same and um, Asians aren't a monolith is something I always wanna say. It, like we're all nuanced, we're all different, just like any other ethnicity. Um, so I think, you know, putting Asians in more um, t- like non-Asian roles basically, like a- Asians in starring roles or Asians in, um roles that don't specifically call for an Asian actor like like um, I think one of the movies we did re- recently was Love Hard um, and that was like super you know divisive in some ways but what I liked about it was that the the role was actually meant for like a normal Polish person it wasn't meant for an Asian person and they cast an Asian person in the role um, and even though like it did sort of um you know, match some of the stereotypical Asian, um, you know, yeah, stereotypes, like uh, how Asians are sort of emasculated, it was able to overcome that in the way the actor was more than just like the, the physical embodiment of, you know, a geek or um, what you would stereotyp- stereotypically uh, see an Asian in movies like he was funny he was he came out to be attractive and he eventually got the girl in the end uh, which is great so I think more movies like that would be great just having Asians in, uh, in normal roles rather than the stereotypical Asian roles.
0: I think that's a great point like having content where you can tell stories that all cultures can relate with but just casting someone mm-hmm. of like PLC background but it doesn't have to be yeah. attached to their culture it's just like okay just these
2: classic stories just see someone who's different mm-hmm. yeah exactly Um. yeah and actually like a little bit of background about me I think I should uh, give you guys some context uh, so before I actually joined the, the podcast I had a pretty big fear of public speaking or just speaking in general so i've always been like kind of this reserved shy and introverted person and um yeah i wasn't really in touch with my identity as an asian american Um, it was something that i was identified with but i never really connected with it or showed any pride in it Um, like i thought you know it's it's just a part of who i am and that's it Um, but yeah something i've always loved was movies and tv and media Um, you know when I was younger my mom had to go to work um, or go to school all day so I was a latchkey kid and me and my brother watched a ton of tv growing up Um, I really grew up through through media and tv Um, you could almost say that I was raised by the television Um, and later on movies were a huge part of my life it was a form of escapism for me like if I didn't like something about my life, I could always get lost in the movie um, and use it as some sort of inspiration too. Um, because seeing what's possible in movies, it made me think about all the different possibilities of life and what I could do. Um, so yeah, I before I joined the podcast, like uh, a friend of my wife that I met uh, uh, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to join. And I was like super hesitant at first. Uh, because of what I talked about, my fear of public speaking. But then I saw it as an opportunity to uh, just like challenge myself and get over that fear. And, you know, with all the exposure and the rise of AAPI voices um, over the last few years, I wanted to join in on that conversation. Um, And I wasn't really sure how to do it at the time uh, to do it in a way that fit me. Um, So I saw this as a really great opportunity to get in touch with my agent identity Um, and really explore um, that side of myself that I never did um, through a medium that I was very familiar with, which is movies. Um, And in the process, like, I learned so much about Asian culture, history of Asians in cinema, and, you know, just the larger movement of Asians in media and culture and why it's so important to talk about it. Yeah. So that's just, like, a little bit about my background, why I joined the podcast.
1: I... I freaking love that because uh, I I connect very deeply with that as well. Um, I think you know like when I was when Martin and I started wanting to start tasting meaning, like I I saw it as well as an opportunity to where I I at the time didn't didn't connect as much with my Asian identity either. It was just like like mm-hmm. you said, it was just a part of me, and that that's just what it was. But now it's like no, like it's a fucking part of me, like and, and mm-hmm. I want to embrace that and, yeah. and be able to really show that this is a platform where I I can wholeheartedly embrace who I am, uplift who I am and be able to connect with other people as well to where we can start to highlight a lot of their culture too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I love, I love how you shared that because that, that really connects deeply with me too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Um, And, you know, from going off of your thoughts um, you know, what intrigues me about this is that um, this whole process that I Really found that i have a voice and a perspective and opinion that's unique to me but relates to other people who have who may have similar life experiences as mine but they don't they just don't see it in media that often um so for me i see it as a responsibility in some ways to represent people and their views um and maybe bring out some ideas that people never thought of and the more Asians we see represented accurately will lead to more opportunities and positive ex- perceptions of our culture. Um, like, do you guys ever get that feeling that you have a responsibility or a duty to represent uh, your people, so to speak, I guess, in the
0: workplace all the time?
2: Yeah, right. like uh, Martin, you're uh, Latino, right? Yeah, yeah, mexican. Yeah. American. yeah. and then what do you what do you do for work?
0: Um, I work in media and advertising.
2: Okay. And you, do you find like you have to sort of speak for um, like your culture's voice to make sure it's sort of like represented or just like speak for yourself? Yeah, like for
0: sure. I feel like my company has a really good representation of diversity. Like there's a lot of like POC, like leaders and people and like have upper management, which is great. So I don't feel like I'm, a, I'm alone, but definitely mm-hmm. when I'm working, I do feel like I have to put on not a face but like just gonna put on a more professional part of me so I don't come Definitely. off as like like too like I don't want to use the word ghetto ratchet but you know what I'm like getting to right I don't want to sound like yeah. I'm not professional because professionalism always been synonymous with white or not mm-hmm. right so like mm-hmm. I would have to put up like my my talking voice or like my working voice I have to make sure I'm always being polite because if I don't act polite then I act like very hood and it's kind of like but I'm not yeah. hood because just because I'm Mexican so like I always like that's always something that went through me when I first started working, just because like as Mexican-American, like when you work in these corporate spaces, you feel like, oh, I need to make sure I'm always dressed up professional. I'm always in business attire and then you see everyone else very casual. It's kind of like, oh, I'm putting too much of a face when I shouldn't have to, because I'm always Mm. I've been given that painting the idea in my head where I have to always put on my best self or else I won't be seen as an equal. But like since being there for a couple of years, I feel more confident, more casual. And I recognize that it's not always like that in all spaces but it has happened before where you have to make sure you put on that face
2: gotcha yeah i totally know what you mean and i think it always happens like when you're first like meeting people right you want to you know put on that professional persona the professional face uh but as you go along and you realize like oh these people are cool like you be more yourself and like it's it's not a huge barrier anymore i guess
0: yeah no for sure and I think yeah thanks for asking that like I'm like I'm sure maybe you went through it yourself too right when you first started working like right after college you probably felt like okay well maybe when you didn't but maybe you maybe there was a thought in your head kind of like okay I gotta always put my my best self forward because if I don't and I fuck up one time if I fuck up then it's gonna come back down on me then all the times I've done something like positive
2: yeah yeah definitely especially when you first like start a new job like um like just working in general like your first job like you need to you, you have sort of this fear i guess of like fucking up and other people seeing it and you know the fact that it's going to carry on with you for the rest of your career or, or your life so i definitely connect with that yeah
0: Sure. charlie i see you thinking over there what you want to say yeah, That part
1: <laughs> with me too just because like from for me like being uh Asian American male in the mental health space, like it's, I'm I'm referred to a lot uh, as the unicorn, <laughs> just because it's like um, there's not too many um, Asian American males in that space. I mean, there are, but there's few and far between, and and so there there is that sort of pressure to be like, okay, well, I'm I'm not necessarily speaking for all of. Asian Americans in the mental health space, but I feel like I have a a role and a part to play as well of just what are the experiences and beliefs and views that I bring that's going to impact how mental health is going to be shaped and and offered for for Asian Americans. Because mental health is 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 not as prominent in 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 the asian culture and so like there's already that barrier how do we how do we push more towards that and how Mm -hmm. do we do it in a proper way where Mm -hmm. we're honoring them and not prescribing something for them
2: yeah that's a good point um and i definitely like uh agree with you in the fact that asians aren't very huge in the mental health area like they don't even like the elders, at least they don't even think that it's the real thing. Like if you say, oh, I'm depressed. And it's like, what, what, the, heck, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you're depressed. So I I definitely can see like your voice being, um, you know, very powerful in the mental health space, especially for Asian Americans.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if, if you're depressed, just, just sleep it off. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. funny enough, I was actually having a conversation yesterday with some family members. Um, I think this is another misconception. We were talking about allergies and it's like how allergies it, at least what I, when I grew up, it wasn't a thing. And, and for me to tell my parents like, <laughs> Oh, I'm allergic to this, or I'm sneezing because of this. And they're like, just go, go to, you need to sleep more or you need to eat healthier or whatever. <laughs> drink and more it's water. Like, yeah. Drink more water. I was like, okay, that's not going to solve how I'm feeling. And so it's like, it's these sort of things where like we grew up with that. It's, it's a, it's lived experiences and, and yes, we found sort of like definitions to them that it kind of fits with what we're experiencing, but it's still a barrier between sort of like our, our parents' generations and generations before them that it's trying to, to bridge that gap of, okay, how do, we, how do we meet in the middle, essentially? How mm-hmm. do we understand each other more to where we can be able to give back and support those before us and move forward with how we can you know, support those after us?
2: yeah totally for
0: us if we got sick it's because we were either uh sockless on the tile (laughs) or our hair was wet and we walked out into the the house right with with our hair still wet we didn't dry it or we just (laughs) or we just took a shower even though we're all dried up we
1: went outside too soon and that's the Uh, reason why we we got sick yep i've I've definitely heard that one too (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh We we yeah we didn't even have a whole episode on all these things that we were we grew up with and and now you know, made us to believe that that's not the case, but yeah. that's another time. <laughs> um, I I really you know for our last part of our our time today, I really would love to get into just sort of for you growing up in the Bay Area and you know you mentioned like that's been a huge part of your identity, um, being Asian American. So we're gonna kind of have you dive a little bit into that, and then we're gonna actually pivot that to our food segment so we're doing the food segment at the end today um so yeah tell us a little bit about just your your growing up in the bay area
2: yeah i mean if there's one thing that i've always identified with it's being from the bay area um i i've always been proud of being from here i rep the bay area everywhere i go i think a lot of people from the bay have the same um sort of feelings and i don't i don't know I'm i'm just really proud of where i grew up i think it's uh, the best place in the world. It's a lot of diverse cultures, very open-minded, a lot of history here, a lot of great sports history, uh, which is something that I really identify with. Um, and the people in general are, are just great. I feel like it has a very chill vibe um, and it's been great living here overall. Um, but yeah, I think that it's just a huge part of my identity. And even when I was living at in UCI, like I always connected more with people from the Bay re- very randomly. I, like I remember my first few months there, um, me and most of the people who I knew that were from the Bay, we were, like we would just all hang out together. Um, and even though like in our hall, there's like what, 50 people or something? Like I always just sort of um, leaned more towards uh, people from the Bay just because like, I guess I understood them more um so yeah it's just a a big part of my identity and um if i had to live anywhere in the world it would would still be the bay area (laughs) yeah
1: but yeah uh i don't know is there is there any other like i i I can imagine go ahead (laughs) oh no i was just gonna ask i was like i can imagine just sort of there's so much like you said richness and culture um how much of that is sort of, I guess, infused with being Asian American? I I guess there, is there sort of like, you know, diverse communities that, that sort of like really highlight being Asian American? Are are there areas where you're like, yeah, you know, like, I I love going to this area and I really feel connected to the, to, to the community, for example.
2: I think, you know, if, if I was to be honest, like, all Asian Americans who are from the Bay, I feel like I connect with and I, I identify with. And um, you know, I, I feel the same way about Asians in general. Like if I was from LA, um, all the Asians there, like I feel like I have some sort of uh, connection with, but it's it's different when you're from the Bay because, um, you know, you have very similar lived experiences. And I think that part sort of bonds us. So whenever I meet somebody who's uh, uh, Asian and from the Bay, we get along like super easily. I don't know what it what it is. I think it's just you know that bond that I was talking about. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's many different communities in the Bay Area uh, of Asian Americans. Like uh, San Jose's huge, uh, Southeast Asian uh, population, and then Oakland. Um, where I'm from, the East Bay is like huge community as well. And um, I sort of just like gravitate towards them um, just because I like, you know, birds of, of, birds of a feather flock together. Like I feel so much more uh, similarities with them. So I, I think I just like gravitate towards them a lot. And it's definitely um, affected how I've grown up too.
0: I think that's a perfect segue to talk about the food of meaning that you wanted to share with us
1: today. Yeah, 100%. I mean, do, do you feel like there there's been sort of like a food that really connects with you growing up or even just a food now that's sort of of, of meaning to you?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um so one of my favorite homemade foods growing up was definitely um there's two there's two of them. There's, it's called Banjiao and Banhoi. hoi. And they're Southeast Asian foods like they're very prominent in Vietnamese culture, but uh, I'm I'm Cambodian, uh, Chinese American and it's very prominent in our culture too. It's uh, eaten a lot on special occasions. And ban is basically a very, it's like a crispy crepe that's made from flour, turmeric and coconut cream. And it's filled with pork, shrimp, bean sprouts, mint and other, other vegetables. And then you sort of like mix it together and, and eat it with fish sauce. And ban hoi is another Southeastern dish. It's very similar. Um, it uses uh, very thin vermicelli noodles, rice vermicelli noodles that's woven into these square bundles and it's topped with fried scallions, garlic, pork belly, lettuce, bean sprouts, and it's all mixed together and eaten with uh, fish sauce same way. Um, it's like so good. it's probably my, my favorite dish. Bro, you're
0: making me so hungry. <laughs> I know man. you should
2: try it. you go if you I, go I, to, a Vietnamese to know. place. Yeah, sounds, i'll send you guys good. what it's called it's uh spelled b-a-n-h uh and an x-e-o for okay. punch uh-huh. out and then the other one is b-a-n-h uh and then h-o-i so look it up um go try it it's it's really good uh but other other than the flavor it definitely has this sentimental value to me personally because It reminds me of all the times, uh, whenever we had a special occasion in our family um, and we had people over, uh, I just, like all of my aunts would come over and prepare food for the entire day. And I just remember in the morning, there's like food everywhere. There's like raw, unprepared vegetables, meats in the kitchen. Like there's bean sprouts on the counter. There's noodles in a pan on the floor, Um, lettuce wraps over here. And my aunts and my mom would just uh, spend all morning together preparing the food. And I don't know, it just felt really homey and um, like very communal to have all these sisters here together, cooking together and having like such a sense of pride in it, it seemed. Um, yeah. And I guess there's just something very comforting about that memory. Um, and, you know, I tasted wherever i go whenever I, I eat these two foods so it's very like personal to me for sure
1: hey, that's so dope i mean i i think there there's the aspect of how it really connects towards a, a richer sort of family you know experience for you is it, really cool because then like almost like every time you try it or every time you eat it, it it kind of brings you back you know it gives you that sort of like meaningful experience um over and again so yeah, yeah thank you are there are there any uh foods that y- sort of have the same similar feeling for you guys
2: Ooh, <laughs> martin what you got tamales and pozole
0: exact mm-hmm. same thing you spend hours making it it's yeah. like a, it takes a whole community to do it and like the the finishing product just the best thing ever mm.
2: and then you guys like all just like eat it together and enjoy it together, yeah. together too. Right? yeah like it'll be just prepared for
0: like the big holidays right like christmas or even like new year's so, like mm-hmm. all the family comes together, they spend the whole morning, to your point, make, making the food, preparing it. They, uh, for pozole right? You prepare it and then you have it cook for like six hours or simmer or mm-hmm. whatever the proper phrase is. And then once it's ready to serve, you just, everyone just gets to the table together, start serving, start sharing. Really good stuff.
2: Yeah. What about you, Charlie?
1: What comes to mind? For me, boiled rice. Um, boiled rice boiled. is really meaningful for me just because. It was something where every Sunday morning, like when I was living with my parents, like that'd be kind of like our thing where my mom would make boiled rice with like fried egg, Chinese sausage. um, Oh yeah. Preserved cabbage, uh, dried, some dried shrimp and like a sugar fish sauce mix. I don't know. It was just like one of those things where it's simple, but it was something I looked forward to every Sunday. And it's funny, like every time, like I, I make it at home, I feel that same feeling. And then also like every time, like, they're not even a Sunday, like, I'll go to my mom's, and I'm like, hey, mom, like, are you making boiled rice? She's like, no, like, that's, (laughs) like, like, you really love that, don't you? It's like, yeah, because I don't know, it just, it's so warming, and it's so, like, connected to a family experience. Yeah,
2: and just, like, the, the act of eating it, the memory of eating it's just so comforting, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, hey, man, I, I, I really, really appreciate just having you on today. I mean, we learn a lot just about you. And, and I'm, I'm very thankful of that. Because I mean, I, I wish we would have gotten to connect more while you're we in person. I think now it gives me more yeah. reason to want to connect more in person just because mm-hmm. gives a great chance to learn more about you. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah. And thanks,
2: you guys for like having me. Um, this is really great. Like, I usually don't like talking about myself a lot just because i don't know it feels it feels weird but um i'm really glad i got to do this because it allowed me to just do a lot of introspection and really connect with myself and my identity a lot more and be able to like share that with you guys uh, which
1: is really great too so thank you guys always you're always welcome um So um, I know, you know, for us, we'll be transitioning to our sort of mental health um, section of this podcast. Um, But until then, we're going to let Baldwin go. But Baldwin, is there anything you want to shout out or anything you want to, you know, kind of share before we depart?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, my podcast, Real Asian Podcast. um, That's R-E-E-L, Asian Podcast. Uh, We talk about Asian movies and how uh, they affect Uh, Asian American culture from the micro and macro views, and um, just sort of discuss like why these movies are worth talking about. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, blogs and podcasts about regular movies, but you don't really see a lot talking about Asian movies. So I think that it's a very important conversation to have. So go follow and
1: subscribe to us. And if you're looking for a photographer, go to Baldwin too. <laughs> there you go.
2: Sweet Life Studios, Look me up if you're in the Bay Area.
1: <laughs> Wait. All right. Well, we will say goodbye to Baldwin. And then we'll be able to catch the, the guests for the next part. Yep. Thanks, guys.
0: Have you ever wondered? Wow, that was an amazing conversation they had on the podcast. Honestly, I have more thoughts. So you can actually tell us your thoughts by using the Q&A section on Spotify when listening to Taste of Meaning. That's right. You can actually visit that Q&A section on each of our episodes where we have a Q&A posted and you can respond to the question itself or you can let us know what happened to the podcast and if you had any further thoughts. So be sure to check out Spotify and visit that Q&A section for Taste of Meaning episodes moving forward. Thank you. That was an amazing conversation we had with Baldwin. He's really smart. He's really into film. And I love how much, how proud he is of his Asian American identity. And now that we finished talking to him, I'm happy to pass the baton to Charlie to talk about the mental health um,
1: aspect of the week. Or check-in. So Sorry, check-in. Mental yeah. health check-in for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one will be pretty short, really sort of thinking about a quote that that I, I encountered this year and um, try to look up who the author was, could not find. Um, So if you all have an idea of who that may be, feel free to shoot that over to us. Uh, So the quote is, the right person will make you fall in love with yourself. Um, And when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I mean, I agree with it. But then when I reflect on it, it really had a sort of a felt Feeling that that went along with it, where it's like, yeah, you know, like you start to connect with people, whether that might be a significant other, um, family member, or even a friend. Where when you connect with them, you start to feel this sense of yourself growing and yourself like appreciation because of that person. Um, not to say that you're you're dependent on that person necessarily, but it's more so like there's just sort of this, I don't know chemistry is probably a really bad word to use, but like, (laughs) I'm just thinking like, there's just sort of this natural connection where it's like, this person really embraces you. They allow you to be authentic and you start to fall in love with yourself so much more. And, you know, I I might even expand this. It may not be the right person, but the right people perhaps. Cause I, I can imagine so many people in my life who I felt connected to them to where like, I actually feel happy that I get to be truly myself with them and I, I love myself for that and i love them for that so um yeah that that was my sort of uh take on that i mean any any thoughts from you martine or just kind of how this quote resonates with you
0: i think you hit on everything honestly when you first shared the quote with me i was immediately thinking like a partner right like a significant other but then when you went into it and in, in about it or into it about friendship and like bringing people who bring the best out of you i'm kind of like yeah that's right like love doesn't have to be romantic it can just be it can definitely be platonic it can be just like between like two friends like it, there doesn't have to be anything further than that like you can love your best friend and it doesn't have to be romantic at all like charlie i love you man oh appreciate that. <laughs> you, man. you didn't expect that did you <laughs> but it's true like I'm like i feel like you bring the best out of me too so i'm kind of like um, yeah i think that's a powerful quote Awesome.
1: Well, hey, we're we're having some good loving vibes at the end of our episode (laughs) today. (laughs) So yeah, folks, thank you again for tuning into this episode of Taste of Meaning. We'll catch you next time. As always, take care of yourselves. And more importantly, take care of others. See ya.